want to welcome you to Back to School Weekend. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Glad to have you be a part of our service. Always one of our favorite weekends of the year. I don't know, that was a very quick uh, teaser video for something that's coming up beginning in September, but a new sermon series called Room for Doubt. And uh, it really, it's along lines of what we did last year with our One Life sermon series. It's focused on helping us to understand and implement the newest strategy that we have for living out our vision and our mission as a church, which is spiritual influence, having spiritual influence on the lives of others. And all of us know people who have doubts with regard to God and the truthfulness of the Bible and uh, who Jesus was and uh, all of those things. And, and maybe you come to church every week and you actually have those doubts as well. Well, this whole sermon series will be focused on that and will begin on the weekend of September, I believe it's 7th and 8th or 6th and 7th. I can't remember the exact date. <clears throat> and uh, we'll have a guest speaker with us named Mark Middleberg who is an internationally known author and preacher and Christian apologist. And so the service that weekend will be very different. It'll be a little bit like the panel interview that I did with the non-believers about a year ago as a part of the One Life series. But we'll spend the majority of that service with Mark Middleberg answering questions related to people's doubts about spiritual things. You'll have the opportunity actually to text in a question as you are a part of the audience in whatever service you attend that weekend. And we think it'll be really exciting and we really want to encourage you to pray about that weekend. We want to encourage you to bring your friends who have doubts but may still be uh, seeking on some level because I think it could be a great opportunity for them. If you've got a Bible, I want you to grab it and go with me to the, go or not the gospel, rather the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. When you find Isaiah, find chapter 50. Um, we uh, just prayed for our kids. In a little while, we're going to bring all the folks down who serve our kids throughout the school year, and we're going to pray for them. But before that, I want to spend a little bit of time with you in the Scriptures. From time to time, people will ask me how it is that I made a decision to enter into full-time vocational Christian service. And really what they want to know is if there was some kind of a dramatic moment in my life or a dramatic experience in my life that resulted in that decision, my answer is always the same. It's no. Because the truth is, I pretty much have felt like God was directing my life toward what I'm doing pretty much from the time I was young until now. Like a lot of you, I grew up going to church all the time. I went to, to church, I went to Sunday school on Sunday morning, and then I went to morning worship, and then I came back and went to youth group on Sunday night, never got to watch the wonderful world of Disney on Sunday night. Uh, there should be some term of abuse that falls into that category. Uh, then went to Sunday night church, came back on Wednesday night for Bible study. If there was a revival, I was there. If we had any kind of an activity, I was there. I went to church camp every summer, went to two weeks of vacation Bible school. As a result, some of the most influential people in my life when I was growing up were Sunday school teachers and youth sponsors and youth ministers and, and preachers and missionaries that I met and church camp and on and on and on. My mother had one brother. His name is Mike. And uh, he was several years younger than her, and we spent a lot of time, my older brother and sister and I in particular, spent a lot of time around him growing up, and he was always my hero. He was, a, he was an excellent athlete. He was an all-state basketball player in Oklahoma, had lots of opportunities to play basketball on the next level, but had made the decision that he wanted to go to Bible college and be involved in full-time vocational service, and that's what he did. In fact, he just recently retired from almost 50 years of full-time ministry experience, and he was always my hero growing up, and if you would ask me, I would say that I wanted to be just like my Uncle Mike, and so when I look back on my life, I genuinely believe that God was directing me toward full-time service from the time
time I was very young. Now, that doesn't mean there weren't times in my life when something else captured my attention or where my faith wasn't my first priority. But even in those moments, God always had a way of redirecting my life to where it needed to be because I believe God always had a very specific plan for my life. Well, I believe the same thing is true for you if you're a believer because I think the same thing is true for every believer. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your spiritual journey looks like. I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care how old you are, what season of life you're in. I meet a lot of people who get toward the end of their life and they think that they've somehow done their part and now they get to retire from Christian service, from serving God and being a part of God's plan for their life. But that's not the case. If you believe that, you're mistaken. God has a plan for your life, for your entire life. He has a role that He wants you to play in building His kingdom. And while I can't stand up here this morning and tell you exactly what God's kingdom building plan will look like for you, I do think I can give you some instruction about how you can discover that plan in your life. I've never met a Christian who said something like this, you know, when everything is said and done, it doesn't really matter to me if my life made a difference. We all want to make a difference. We want to use the gifts and the talents and the opportunities and the influence that God has given to us to make some kind of eternal difference in the world and make some kind of eternal difference in the lives of others. But we've got to find a way from moving beyond our good intentions to actually doing what God has called us to do. In his book, The Principle of the Path, Andy Stanley writes these powerful words. He writes, intentions are of little consequence. Direction is everything. Direction determines destination. In fact, those are so important. Read them with me. Let me hear your voices. Intentions are of little consequence. Direction is everything. Direction determines destination. And that brings us to Isaiah chapter 50, if you've got your Bibles open there. Now, I don't have time this morning to give you an explanation of Isaiah chapter 50, but I will tell you this. The portion of Isaiah that we're going to be looking at, Isaiah chapter 50 and surrounding chapters, is focused on what it looks like to be a servant of God. That's the focus of this section of Isaiah. And so there's a lot we can learn about serving God. There's a lot we can learn about discovering God's kingdom-building plan for our lives by the things that are written here. And so I've chosen a very small passage of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning. So, if you've got your Bibles open there, go ahead and stand with me for the reading of the Scripture. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad that you're here. This might seem a little odd to you, but let me just give you a brief explanation. Every week, we make the public reading of Scripture a significant part of our service, and because we have such respect and reverence for God's Word, we stand together when we read it. You follow along as I read Isaiah 50, verses 4 through 7, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation Bible this morning instead of my normal NIV. You follow along. <clears throat> the Sovereign Lord has given me His words of wisdom so that I know what to say to all these weary ones. Morning by morning, He wakens me and opens my understanding to His will. The Sovereign Lord has spoken to me, and I have listened. I do not rebel or turn away. I give my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pull out my beard. I do not hide from shame, for they mock me and spit in my face. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be dismayed. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do His will, and I know that I will triumph. All right, there it is. You can be seated, everybody. Go ahead and be seated. We always ask God's blessing on the reading and the hearing of His Word. Here's what I want to do, and I'm going to do this quickly this morning because we've got a significant time of prayer ahead of us still. I'm going to give you several principles that I believe will help you discover and live out what God's kingdom-building plan is 
for your life. So if you're someone who likes to take notes, let's dive in and you write down next to number one, this first thing. You wanna discover and live out God's kingdom building plan for your life, then you've got, to be, you've got to make that a daily priority. Write down these words. It's got to be a daily priority. And what we're gonna do is just start in verse four and work our way down through those verses we just read. So verse four says this, the sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I may know what to say to all these weary ones. And here's the key. He goes on to say, morning by morning, he wakens me and opens my understanding to his will. Morning by morning, Isaiah says. If you wanna know what God's kingdom building plan is for your life, then you need to spend time with him every single day and you need to ask him to open your heart to the opportunities that he sets before you throughout the day. In other words, if you wanna know what God's kingdom building plan is for your life, then you need to spend time with God every day and you need to ask him to guide you, to guide you in that kingdom building plan. Let me illustrate it like this. Let's say that you're gonna travel by car from New York to Los Angeles. Well, if that's your decision, then you need to know that it's not going to be just a matter of getting on a freeway and driving in a straight line for 3,000 miles from New York until you get to the Pacific Ocean. A journey from New York to Los Angeles is going to involve a lot of different twists and a lot of different turns and a lot of different adjustments along the way. It's going to involve stops and detours and a certain amount of delays. You're gonna get on one road, one highway, one freeway, and you're gonna take it as far as you can take it, but then you're gonna to have to get off that road, get on another one, and you're gonna to have to take it as far as it will take you. But as long as you're following something like a GPS or a map, in the end, you're gonna reach your destination. Well, in many ways, it's the same way when it comes to living out God's kingdom building plan for our lives. God's not gonna come along and tap you on the shoulder and say, this is what I want you to do with your life and I'm gonna check in with you once it's all said and done. That's not how God works. What God is going to do, and he does this by speaking to us through the pages of his word, is he's gonna say, this is the kind of life I want you to live. These are the kinds of priorities that I want you to embrace. And I promise you, if you do those things, then I'm gonna guide you each and every day, every step along the way. And so if you want your life to count and make a difference in the world, if you wanna live a kingdom building life, then you need to make it a high priority that you spend time alone with God every single day so that he can do that, so that he can guide you, so that you can sense his presence in your life every day and you can sense his guidance as you go along each and every day. Spending time alone with God is absolutely essential to living a kingdom building life. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you spent any significant time alone with God? He can't guide you if you don't give him time out of your day. Right down next to number two, the second thing I see in this text from Isaiah chapter 50 is this. If you wanna discover and live out God's kingdom building plan for your life, then don't forget about obedience. Don't forget about obedience. And we just continue to work our way through the text, and now we're in verse 5. Isaiah writes, the sovereign Lord has spoken to me, and I have listened. And then he writes this, I do not rebel or turn away. And if you want to discover and live out God's kingdom-building plan for your life, then you need to surrender your life each and every day to his will, which means you need to be willing to obey him each and every day. You need to surrender your plan for your life 
to God's plan for your life, and that will always begin with this question, who's going to be the boss of your life? Have you ever heard your children when they were small playing or, or maybe someone else's children when they were small playing and someone gets a little bit too controlling and inevitably here's the statement that you hear someone speak, you're not the boss of my life. You ever heard that? Maybe some of you husbands said that to your wives just this past week. You're not the boss of my life. I heard my children say that when they were little. I hear my grandchildren say that now that they're alone. You're not the boss of my life. The most important question that you and I are going to have to answer when it comes to whether or not we're going to discover and live out God's kingdom-building plan for our lives is who is the boss of your life? You know, over the last 40 years, I've counseled a lot of people who have a lot of problems, multiple problems, and oftentimes they'll look at me and they'll say, Pastor, I don't know where to begin. I've got so many problems and so many issues. I don't know where to begin. They'll say something like this, I've got a problem with anger, or I've got a problem with lust. I've got a problem with honesty. I gossip. I drink too much. I'm disorganized. My finances are a wreck. I don't stop at stop signs. That's primarily people I've counseled in Indiana who say that. Pastor, where do I begin? I've got so many problems. Where do I begin? Where do I begin my path of obedience? And the answer is simple. It sounds childlike, but the answer is simple. You begin by asking this question, who is the boss of my life? Who's the boss of your life? In Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 5, Isaiah writes and says, the sovereign Lord has spoken to me and I have listened. I do not rebel or turn away. Who's the boss of your life? If you're a Christian this morning, then that question has already been settled. If you're a genuine Christian, because when you became a Christian, you put your faith and trust in Christ, then you made the decision to allow him to be the Lord of your life. I don't do that. I don't do this in this church because we have such a great children's staff and they handle this. But in the other churches that I served before I came here, churches that were smaller, whenever a family would have a child who would begin to become a spiritual seeker and ask questions about becoming a Christian, they would always want me to sit down and talk to them. And I would sit down and talk to them and I would explain the plan of salvation to them and explain what it means to put your faith and trust in Christ and surrender your life to him and talk about all the different elements, including uh, the expression of your faith through baptism. And I would say, when someone expresses their faith through baptism, it's important for them to make a public profession or a public confession of their faith. It's actually one of my favorite parts of the whole experience, hearing someone make a public profession of their faith. And so I would tell the, the, the little boy or the little girl, I'd say, we'll be in the baptistry and I'll take your right hand and I'll say, repeat these words after me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I confess him as the Lord of my life. And I would say, do you know what it means for someone to be the Lord of your life? And they would almost always say, no, I don't know what it means. And I would say, well, how about this? Do you know what it means for someone to be the boss of your life? And they say, yeah, I absolutely know what that means. And so when that moment would come, we'd get into the baptistry and I would give them a right hand and I would say, listen, I want you to make this public profession of faith in Christ in the presence of God who is here participating in this moment and all of these people, all of your family, all of your friends, all of these witnesses, I want you to repeat after me, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I confess him, and I always use these words, as the boss of my life. Who's the boss of your life? I mean, at the end of the day, really, honestly, 
Who is the boss of your life? Because once you've settled that question, and you should have settled that when you surrendered your life in complete faith and trust to Jesus, then he's going to help you take control of the other issues of your life. If you're listening to him, if you're following him, if you're living out that commitment, he's going to help you in matters of obedience so that you can discover and live out his kingdom-building plan for your life. Write down next to number three. You want to discover and live out God's kingdom-building plan for your life? Then expect difficulty. Expect difficulty. We keep working our way through the text, and now we're in verse 6. And Isaiah writes, I give my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pull out my beard. I do not hide from shame, for they mock me and spit in my face. Now, everybody, everybody look up here for just a moment. One of the things that's interesting about the book of Isaiah is there's a strong messianic element to the book of Isaiah. In other words, there's a lot of messianic prophecy found in Isaiah or prophecy about the Messiah, which we know is Jesus. And we see an element of that here. And you read those words in verse 6, and you know that Jesus lived out those words. Those words were fulfilled in Jesus at the experience of his crucifixion. But as we read them today, from a practical standpoint, for you and me, they're more than anything else, they're symbolic because we're probably not going to have the experience in our lives of being beaten or spit on or have someone pull the hairs out of our beard or whatever it might be. But the lesson is this. Anytime you set your heart on living out God's plan for your life, you can expect difficulty along the way. And that difficulty can come in a variety of days. Now, most of the time, we imagine that difficulty coming in the form of some kind of opposition or some kind of persecution. And we see that around the world with our brothers and sisters who live in different parts of the world who suffer horrific kinds of persecution and opposition as a result of their faith. For you and me, though, in the setting that we live, it's oftentimes going to be a lot more subtle. The difficulty is going to be more subtle. It's going to show up in ways like this. It's going to show up in loneliness. We feel like we're the only one trying to live out God's kingdom plan for our life. It's going to show up in self-doubt. We question ourselves and our motives, and we question ourselves and the effectiveness of what we're trying to do. It's going to show up in despair because we don't think we're making a difference. It's going to come sometimes in heartbreak from lost or broken relationships because when you try to live out God's kingdom plan for your life and you're passionate about it, you're going to find that there are other believers who don't share that same level of passion that you do. And they might not understand your heart, and that can lead to broken relationships. And that's how that difficulty is going to come, and probably in so many other ways. At the end of the day, every one of us has the ability to choose whether we're going to live an easy life or a great life. And I would define a great life for you and me as believers like this. A great life is a life of discovering and living out God's kingdom-building plan for our lives. But you know, at the end of the day, whether you consciously choose to live an easy life or a great life it's still going to be a difficult life because we're all going to experience some level of difficulty because we live in a sinful and fallen world. But if you try to do what God has called you to do, to try, if you try to live that kingdom-building life, that difficulty is going to be even greater because any time you try to do anything significant, you need, to ex you need to expect difficulty along the way. If you're a little chubby and you're out of shape and you decide that you want to look like a bodybuilder, you know there's going to be some level of pain involved in getting there because nobody goes from flab to fab overnight, right? 
In the same way, you don't live a, a kingdom-building life of significance, a significance without enduring some difficult days. But here's what you need to remember, okay? As you, as you embrace that kingdom-building life and you, you face the difficulty, here's what you need to remember. You're not alone. Look back at uh, verse 6. That's the verse we read just a moment ago, but let's read it and let's continue into the first part of verse 7. Isaiah writes and says, I give my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pull up my beard. I do not hide from shame for they mock me and spit in my face. There's the difficulty. But then he goes on and says this, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be dismayed. No matter what difficulty I face, because the sovereign Lord helps me, because he's always with me, because he always helps me, I can count on God. I will not be dismayed. There's going to be some difficulty, some suffering along the way. You should expect that. But you're not alone, so don't be dismayed. Right down next to number four, these words. If you're going to discover and live out God's kingdom-building plan for your life, then you need to be determined. Look back at verse 7. We read the first part of it just a moment ago. Let's read the entire verse. Isaiah writes, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be dismayed. Therefore, note this, therefore I have set my face like a stone, determined to do his will, and I know that I will triumph. I love that phrase, set my face like a stone. Now, if you're a part of our Mount Pleasant family, you know that we have been going verse by verse to the Gospel of Matthew for some time now, and we'll return to the Gospel of Matthew next week. We'll be in Matthew chapter 25. And you know that we're in a section of Matthew's gospel where Jesus has entered Jerusalem for the final time. That happened in Matthew chapter 21. He entered Jerusalem knowing that he was just days away from the crucifixion. He entered Jerusalem knowing that he was going to die. Now, as Matthew writes about that, he doesn't write anything dramatic about it, although Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem was dramatic because of the triumphal entry. But if you look at the same part of Jesus' story in the gospel of Luke, there's an interesting verse. It's Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. In the King James Bible, it's translated like this. He resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Another translation says he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And what that means is that Jesus came to a moment in his earthly life and ministry where he knew that it was time to die he knew that was going to happen when he went to Jerusalem. He knew everything that he was going to experience. He knew he was going to get there and he was going to be betrayed. He was going to be beaten. He was going to be brutalized. And he was going to be murdered. But he set his face toward Jerusalem. Just like Isaiah writes here in Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 7, he set his face like stone, determined to do what God had sent him into the world to do. If you're going to discover and you're going to live out God's kingdom-building plan for your life, then you've got to be determined to do it. And when difficulty comes or whatever comes along, you've got to be determined to not quit, to not give up, to follow to the conclusion God's kingdom-building plan for your life. You've got to say, I will not let anything stop me. You've got to be determined. I can't tell you, friends, how many times... <laughs> over the past 40 years, when I felt like I wanted to give up when it came to being a pastor and a life of full-time vocational service, it happened more often when I was younger than it does today. 
But I remember when I planted my first church in Sugarland, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston, and I've told you this story so many times, back in 1982, it started with 30 people, and it was a really difficult experience. No sending church, no supporting organization. I was 23 years old, didn't have a clue what I was doing, wasn't smart enough to know that I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And there were times where every weekend I would buy a copy of the Houston Chronicle. I can't remember the last time I bought a newspaper because we get our news different ways today. But I used to buy a, a weekend copy of the a Sunday edition of the Houston Chronicle, which was literally about that thick. And I'm not exaggerating that. I mean, Houston is the fourth largest city in the country. And you think about all the Sunday ads and everything. And I would take that Sunday edition of the Houston Chronicle to church with me the next day, and I would get the want ads, and I would spread them out on my desk. They would completely cover my desk, and I would hover over them and pray for God's... No, I wouldn't really do that. Um, <laughs> but I would, I would pour over those want ads thinking surely there was something else, something different, something better, something more satisfying, something less stressful, whatever that I could do for a living to support my family. But I, I never, ever, no matter what I found, I, know I never, ever followed up on anything. That's what I was feeling in my heart, emotionally in the moment. But more than that, there was a resolute commitment in my heart to be determined to finish what I'd started. Sometimes the Christian life is difficult. And sometimes trying to serve God is difficult. But you've got to be determined. You've got to set your face like stone so that you don't let anything stand in your way. And so a long time ago, I adopted this one single verse. My wife, Sandy, one year, I can't even remember how long ago it was, just bought me a little uh, picture that had a kind of a poem on it. Uh, that was connected to this verse, and it meant a lot to me at the time, and I adopted this verse. It's Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 where Paul writes and says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good. How many of you know that doing good can wear you out sometimes? But don't give up. That's the message. And if you want, to, you want to discover and live out God's kingdom building plan for your life, no matter what level of difficulty you face, no matter what level of despair or discouragement you face, you've got to do exactly what Isaiah talks about here, and you've got to set your face like stone and be determined to do the will of God. Write down one last thing next to number five. Focus on serving others. Now, we started in verse 4, and we worked our way down to verse 7. We're out of verses, so what are we going to do here? Well, let's go back up to very, the very first verse, verse 4, and let's read the very first part of verse 4. This is how our text began. Isaiah writes and says, The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know what to say to all these weary ones. How many of you know there are a lot of weary people in the world today? And you know, the truth is there may very well be a lot of weary people in this service today. There may be a lot of weary people listening to me online today. And those people need to be comforted. They're weary because of sin. They're weary because of heartbreak. They're weary because of loneliness. They're weary because of failure. They're weary because of struggle. They're weary because of betrayal. And you can go on and on and on. And one of the greatest things you can ever do for someone who is weary is just serve them in a way that lifts them up. 
And while I can't tell you this morning what God's kingdom building plan will look like, specifically look like for you, I can guarantee you that it will involve some level of serving others because that's what Jesus did. In fact, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, and this is how it reads in the New Living Translation, he said, for even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served but to serve others. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, we talked about this several weeks ago, in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 4, he, he, he was talking to a crowd one day and he held a little child. This is fitting for our back to school weekend. He held a little child in his arms and he said in verse 4, therefore anyone who, humbles himself, who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And the word he used for humble there in the original language of the New Testament is the Greek word tapineo, which literally means to make low. In other words, Jesus says, whoever is willing to make themselves low is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Why would anybody ever make themselves low? We make ourselves low sometimes to lift someone else up. We make ourselves low to serve others. And acts of service, according to Jesus, are the greatest things that we can do in the world. Acts of service give us greatness in the kingdom of heaven. Earlier in the message, I quoted these words from Andy Stanley. He said, intentions are of little consequence. Direction is everything. Direction determines destination. I'm sure that every one of us have good intentions to live lives that honor God. Good intentions to make a difference in the world. But we need to make sure we take steps toward living out in practical ways those good intentions. We need to take steps to discover and live out God's kingdom building plan for our lives. And if we do, if you were to do that, if I were to do that, I'm convinced that we would experience the life of our dreams. We might think the life of our dreams is connected to money or fame or position or comfort, but the life of our dreams is connected to discovering and living out God's kingdom building plan, doing God's will each and every day. Well, we're going to close this part of our service in a different way. And as I mentioned, we already prayed for our students earlier, but we're going to pray for our folks today who serve students in some capacity, teachers, teachers' aides, uh, administrators, people who drive a bus, school security, people who work in the, the cafeteria, people who just serve students in a variety of ways in lots of settings, in preschools, in public schools, in private schools, in homeschool settings. And so I'm going to invite all of you men and women to come on down right now uh, in this part of our service. You know the drill. Somebody has to be the first one to stand up. Come from the balcony. Come on down. Just make a, a line here. I don't mind if you stand up on the steps a little bit. We've got uh, probably a larger number of these folks in this service than others. Come on down. We'll give you time to get down here. We want to we recognize you. We want to honor you. We want to celebrate you. And most important, we want to pray for you today. So come on down. If you serve students in some capacity, you come down. We're going to give you time to make your way down from the balcony. It's always one of our favorite things to do on back to school weekend. All right, here we come. 
We've had a great number of uh, students and a great number of folks who serve students in all of our services. All right, as they're finishing up coming, let's, let's celebrate them this morning. Well, I want to say something real quickly to all the men and women that are here. I can't imagine, given what we just talked about and discovering what God's kingdom building plan is for your life and then living that out and serving other people, being a part of it, I can't imagine the hundreds, if not thousands of ways throughout the school year that you uh, have the opportunity to serve students, uh, to uh, speak words of kindness to them and encouragement, to love them, to uh, to just be there for them and to recognize the needs that they have in their lives and then take steps to meet those needs in whatever way is possible. I know that you have to be careful at times in what you say and the words that you can speak, but you don't have to be careful in how you, you show love and support and encouragement and provide a witness that they can always remember. And so uh, I, I think that what you do is so honorable and so important, and uh, as a church, we do as well. And so we we celebrate you, and I'm going to pray for you right now. Let's all pray together. Our Father in heaven, we, are, we love you so much, and we're so grateful uh, for your love for us, and we're so grateful the way that you use us in the world today and the opportunities you give us uh, for service and ministry and influence. And uh, I thank you for these men and women who have allowed themselves to be placed in, in positions where they can serve students in so many different ways. And, and I, I pray that they would, they would recognize that this morning, that, that, that this, you know, is more than a job. It's more than a profession. It's more than a paycheck. It's, it's an opportunity to make a difference in a significant way. I know all of us that are here today can remember a teacher or somebody that we were connected to uh, as we were growing up as a child uh, in school who made a difference in our lives, who impacted our lives in a positive way, who helped us. Uh, find direction in our lives. This is, these are the kinds of opportunities that are before these men and women. And so I pray that each and every day they would seek you and they would discover your will for their lives, uh, that they would allow you to guide and direct them. I pray, Father, uh, that they would in all things at all times be obedient to what you call them to do. I pray, Father, that when difficulty comes, they would, they would know that they're not alone. They would trust in you and not be dismayed. I pray that they would be determined in what they do each and every day, and that moments of discouragement and despair would not sidetrack them, that they would set their face like stone to do what you've called them to do. And I pray that you would help them to be willing to make themselves low to lift others up. Father, I, I pray that you would keep them safe and protect them. I pray, Father, that you would uh, help them to remember this moment and the love and the, the respect and the admiration and the honor that we give them today. And I pray, Father, that you would just help them to know that what they do is important and it makes a difference. And that each and every day that they would make it their goal to honor you with their words and with their actions as they serve our students. We love them, we pray for them, and we lift them up to you now. 
We celebrate them in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said? Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate them once again as they return to their seats. And as these folks return to their seats, go ahead and stand together. We're going to close our service with a song of worship.